As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for joining me, and welcome to Paranormal Mysteries. I'm your host, Nick Ryan. On today's episode, I'll be talking about a dog spirit, astral projection, a teen spirit, and a black room. But before we start, I'd like to thank everyone for their support and generosity. And for anyone else who would like to support the show, you can do so by sharing and reviewing the podcast, as well as visiting us at patreon.com paranormalmysteries or at buymeacoffee.com slash paranormal. And if you have a paranormal story to tell, you can contact me by email at paranormalmysteriespodcast at gmail.com, through voice message at speakpipe.com slash paranormalmysteries, or on our website at paranormalmysteriespodcast.com. And remember that all of our links can be found in the show notes. And now, let's start the show with our first listener story of the night which comes to us from James, and James' story is called Dog Spirit Astral Projection. James says, Hello Nick, I have another experience to share with you. The story in particular will require a little bit of backstory, so please bear with me, but it's one in which I believe that you and your listeners will find quite unique. It's a paranormal experience I haven't ever seen before, and one that I keep with me because it's so odd or personal I couldn't forget it. I lived on a farm with my family in western Wisconsin when I was about 17, a beautiful, quiet country home that was about to undergo some turmoil. Around this same time period, my grandmother was in a major car accident out in Maryland. She was diabetic and had been disoriented due to unbalanced blood sugars and insulin, crashing into a tree. The accident had been so bad that her femur had been broken and stuck into the car door when they found her. Luckily, her neighbor was driving by when this happened, otherwise it could have been the end of her there and then, because her house was hidden and tucked away from most others, and she could have been alone for hours, but instead she was able to get emergency medical attention rapidly. When my father learned of his mother's accident, he immediately flew down to Maryland to meet her in the hospital. When the doctors assured him that she was in a stable condition, he knew that he needed to get her house ready for life in a wheelchair. They had to rebuild part of her legs with titanium rods, and a long recovery process was sure to follow. In less than two days, he built her a wooden ramp so that her wheelchair could go into the house. Keep in mind, my dad is legally blind, so he can't drive, but somehow he made it happen for his mother. 
Long story short, Grandma recovered, but she was largely confined to a wheelchair. My aunt had been living with her, but because she had schizophrenia and wasn't physically able to care for her, Grandma ended up moving up to a farmhouse in Wisconsin, nearby to our farm. She settled in and, for a while, was doing all right on her own. During all this commotion, one day my mother got a puppy, an indoor dog, a Pomeranian named Willie, a cute, fluffy, and eventually barky little stuffed alarm system for the house. My parents have never been the type to keep indoor pets, especially dogs or cats, because my dad was allergic to them. But Willie was an extraordinary exception. The only type of dog my mom liked, and one that my dad tolerated, giving the family circumstance. But one day, since we lived on the farm, it was easy to keep a dog outside like the other animals on the farm. So when I was about 17 years old, a friend and I went out and purchased puppies from the same litter. I surprised my family with another puppy that I promised to keep outside. It was a cute little lab and golden retriever mix with black fur, which I named Zeus. As you could imagine, caring for Grandma's needs was a happy obligation, but sometimes a family stressor. The two puppies helped. My grandmother would come over often for us to visit her or to help her around her home. Oftentimes, she would hold Willie. They had a special connection, my grandmother and Willie. He would sit in her lap for hours, and she would pet him. As the puppies grew and played, Willie, being a little older, for a short period of time was larger than Zeus. Keep in mind that Willie was a Pomeranian, so his alpha heyday was soon coming to an end. One day, Zeus must have realized that he was indeed bigger than Willie, and didn't want to put up with Willie's fluffy, barky bullying, so he grabbed him, shook him, and flung him. Now, this next portion is important. Willie began to develop dumb back legs and seizures. He was basically paralyzed. We don't know how for sure it happened, but we know it must have been a combination of rough play with Zeus, meningitis, or the fact that my blind dad accidentally stomped on him when Willie was sleeping in the middle of the room one night. Regardless to the true cause of Willie's condition, the veterinarian gave us some pills and little rubber balloon-like booties to put on Willie's back legs so he wouldn't drag them. His back legs were stiff, so he'd hop around on his front legs, dragging his back ones with him. At this point, it's good to realize my grandma and Willie now shared similar conditions. They both had trouble walking. We had to take special care of them because they had trouble getting around and they both were in constant pain. They must have bonded over this. My dad and I, or just myself, would tow a lawnmower up to her new home about 30 minutes away, about weekly to mow her grass, as Grandma slowly began to be unable to assist herself. I would take her to her medical appointments often, and every now and then I'd take her to Walmart so she could ride a scooter and feel free from her medically forced confinement. As time went on, it became more and more apparent that Grandma couldn't take care of herself. I went off to college, leaving my mother as the only driver in the family to care for Grandma and to drive my father and the rest of the kids around. It had slowly taken a toll on my mom and the rest of our family. We tried a few different things. Grandma ended up moving in with us, then a nursing home, and then an assisted living home. Being wheelchair-bound, constantly moving, in lots of pain, diabetic, and with complications and other health problems forming, Grandma wasn't doing too good. Grandma slowly gave up, and in a way, some of us felt like we did too. 
Knowing how it had been stressing everyone, I think she had accepted death before anyone else was ready. But she always appeared happy to me. But I know when it was time for me to leave, she wasn't happy. I loved her, and she loved me. One day I remember that she asked me to run to the store to pick something up for her. She would do this often. When I dropped it off, I remembered that she wanted me to do something more with her. I can't remember if she wanted to go out or for me to simply stay with her, but at this point I had been extremely stressed too and wanted to hang out with a friend. In fact, I remember I didn't want to be around her too long because I felt ashamed. I had smoked to combat stress and didn't want her to know by smelling it on me, but my friend was also waiting for me in the car, so I tried to weasel my way out and play it off that we'd do something next time. I remember this instance. She was upset more than usual. Whenever I would visit her in the assisted living home, she would always greet me with a trembling relief, vocalizing my name, expressing joy and sad relief. What she expressed this day as I dropped by and then quickly left was the opposite. Something I won't forget, because I think she knew that she didn't have much time. This would be the last time I saw her alive. The next day, she was rushed to the hospital because her bowels were failing. I must have went back to my university a few hours away because I wasn't able to see her again before she died. Fast forward a few months later, my grandmother had decided to be cremated. We had her ashes in a wooden box and the titanium rods that were inside her legs. Our whole family had planned a reunion trip to spread her ashes with Grandpa and to hold a memorial service. We had my girlfriend at the time watch the dogs, including Willie. On the morning of my grandma's burial, I had a dream in the hotel. I don't remember my dreams often, but I distinctly remember this one. In it, I felt as though I had traveled extremely fast from my girlfriend's house to my family's farm home through the sky. In the home, I realized I wasn't my own height. I was only about a foot off the ground. I felt as if I were frantically looking for mom, calling out, Mommy, where are you in my mind? When I then noticed that my hands were paws. I was scratching walls, exploring every room in the house in mere seconds. I then realized I was in the body of my Pomeranian, Willie, or rather, I was Willie's spirit. I felt scared. I, Willie, was frantically looking for mom. Immediately I woke up. My mom had just gotten off the phone with my girlfriend. My mom was crying. On the morning of my grandmother's funeral, my dog Willie had a seizure and died. The puppy was only three years old the puppy in which our family got to help comfort us through grandmother's injury and passing, the puppy that my grandma also bonded with and shared similar affliction with, had died. Willie came into our life during the trials of my grandmother's slow decline and left this world the same day that we buried her. I not only dreamt it before it happened, but I understood the poetic justice. Willie's spirit went out looking for grandma or my mother while we weren't home. He was scared. He found me in my dreams, and I took him to her so that they could go together. Willie and Grandma had a bond. I don't quite understand how or why I was chosen, but I believe my dream was an expression of Willie and my grandmother's spirits. Sometimes I wonder what happened to my spirit, my lack of remembering my dreams. But in this day, I dreamt a dream that I could not dream up on my own. I housed the astral projection of my dog's spirit the morning he died bonded to my grandmother. On this day, we buried them both, and Willie is buried beneath the willow tree.
Our next story of the night comes to us from Quint, and Quint's story is called Teen Spirit. Quint says, Hello, Nick. I have recently discovered your podcast, and over the next few weeks I have quickly binged it in its entirety, and am loving it. I decided it's finally to tell one of my experiences with the paranormal, probably the most compelling story that I have, as I have witnesses as well as video proof. I would like to apologize in advance for the length, but the details are important to the story. I met my now wife five years ago now by joining her band. We were just friends and bandmates at the time of this story, and as she knows I am writing this story, she does not have a problem with me writing her real name, Casey. Casey's house was where we would have our band practices, and her house was haunted, despite being relatively new. There has been many instances like footsteps upstairs when no one was home, and another time that Casey was even home alone and heard the stereo going, turning on full blast, only for her to go upstairs and finding it unplugged while still playing. One day my now father-in-law was taking a nap in his room, which was upstairs, and he saw who he thought was his daughter come and sit on his bed, as he felt the weight of the bed shift and he looked over at her. He quickly said, Ella, go away. After getting up from his nap, he called his wife and asked why Ella was being so weird, then being told that no one had been home all day long. Now with that being said, we do know there is a ghost of a girl in the house that seems to be around 14 years old. Fast forward a little bit and Casey's family was out of town on vacation for a week. Casey stayed home because our band had an upcoming concert that we would be performing at that was a very important show. So for the entire week, my band stayed over and practiced all week long. One of these days, we had been practicing all day long and well into the night at this point. We were practicing upstairs and we were specifically practicing the famous song by Nirvana, Smells Like Teen Spirit. At this point of the night, we had been practicing for so long that Casey was tired of singing, but we had more practicing to do, so I took over vocals while playing guitar. We got to one point in the song where I play a part on my guitar and bend a note at the same time of singing the word, Hey. Casey then said to me, It just sounded like your guitar was talking. I shrugged it off and said something along the lines of, Thanks, I was kind of going for that. She then said, No, it sounded like it was actually talking. Then my drummer chimed in and said, I heard that too. It weirded me out. I hadn't noticed this at all, and to prove that they were not crazy, they brought out the camera on their phone and pressed record, and then placed it firmly on a music stand that was very sturdy. We talked for a second, and then we proceeded with the song. As we got a few notes into it, the phone flew off the music stand, and the music stand itself did not budge. The phone didn't just fall off. It flew off several feet away towards me. We quickly stopped, as that had been enough for the night. We then went downstairs and began talking about it a bit, and my drummer said, maybe it was Kurt Cobain, who was the singer of Nirvana for those who don't know. I then remembered the story of the ghost girl coming into my wife's father's bed, and I remembered something. No, it was a teen spirit. The song was literally called Smells Like Teen Spirit. Later that night, we were driving around having fun when that song came on the radio. Creeped out a little bit, Casey proceeded to Google Kurt Cobain, and we found out that that day was Cobain's birthday. I do have the video, and if you would like to see it, please reach out to me. I didn't include it in the message because my singing sounds a good bit like a tortured cat. Love the podcast, and thanks for all you do. Quint 
I reached out to Quint and inquired about the video that he mentioned. And once I receive the file or a link to the video, I'll be sure to post it in our forum, which you can find on our website. Our next story of the night comes to us from Amy, and Amy's story is called Mystery Men. Amy says, Hi Nick, I have a recent experience that I wanted to share with you and your listeners. I recently moved to New England and have heard of many unexplainable encounters that occur up here. One night, my partner and I were driving home down a long winding road when we saw three figures of what looked to be three semi-distorted men in long white t-shirts crossing the road. This road is located in a residential area with homes on each side, so we didn't think much of it, until the moment after they crossed the road, and then they disappeared. Once we drove a couple hundred feet ahead where they had crossed, we saw absolutely no sign of these three figures. Another thing I wanted to mention about them was that although there was lighting from traffic, homes, and a few streetlights, these figures had a different kind of glow to them. They also moved in a synchronized way in a single-file line, and in a very slow manner, like they had no rush to get out of the street. We didn't find it scary, but just unexplainable. Thank you for letting me share one of my most recent experiences since moving to New England. I can't wait to share more with you. My best, Amy. Our next story of the evening comes to us from Aiden, and Aiden's story is called The Bath. Aiden says, Hi Nick, I've been listening to your podcast for a few weeks now. I love hearing the mysterious things people encounter, and similar experiences that have happened to me. I have a story to share today that my father, grandmother, uncle, and grandfather told me about. It was the early 80s. My father and uncle were teenagers lying on their stomachs on the floor in front of the TV. My grandparents were sitting on the sofa just behind them, and to their left was the bathroom. They were the only ones in the house. From where my father and uncle were laying, they could look right into the bathroom and get a full view of it, as it was very tiny. Before the commercial could end and regular programming could continue, the bathtub faucet began spewing water. My father looked around and everyone was staring into the bathroom, afraid to move. My grandfather got up and slowly walked towards the bathtub. Both of the hot and cold control valves are turned all the way, he said, but no one responded. My grandfather simply shrugged, turned them counterclockwise until they were both closed, and the water gushing out of the faucet was obsolete, and sat back down next to my grandmother. He told them it was probably nothing to worry about, and they all continued to watch TV. All of a sudden, the water began flooding into the bathtub for the second time, not even ten minutes after the first incident. This time, no one wanted to even turn their heads to look into the bathroom, for fear of what might look back at them. My grandfather told everyone to stay back, and he cautiously walked into the bathroom and looked around. Nothing or no one was in there, and once again the control valves were turned all the way clockwise, so that the faucet could do its job and put water in the tub with no interference. My grandfather turned them off for the second and final time, before walking out and closing the door to the bathroom. After the second incident, it never happened again, not once in 41 years. There is really no explanation to this. I posted on a social media website asking people to debunk it, but no one could. One person mentioned that it could have sprung a leak and began to pour water out, but it didn't explain how the control valves were turned all the way, as someone would have to do that manually. The house was bought by my grandparents after an old man peacefully passed away in his bedroom next to the bathroom. 
My family always joked about how maybe it was just him getting up and getting ready to take a bath, angry that my grandfather kept shutting the faucet off. Our next listener story comes to us from Nikki, and Nikki's story is called Black Room and Dog Spirit. Nikki says, Hey Nick, love the show and currently binging all episodes. I have a couple of stories of a house that I grew up in. I want to start this off by saying that after years of living in a home, you know it like the back of your hand. You could walk through your house with your eyes closed and know where everything is at. This happened in 2002 when I was 14. My mom came into my room to let me know that she and my dad were leaving to run some errands, and of course not to open the door for anyone, and to take a message if the house phone rang. I had fallen asleep, and after a while I heard the house phone ringing, so I got up to open my door, but I couldn't see anything. My room was pitch black, and I couldn't find the handle to open my door. I kept feeling around for the light switch, but that was gone too. My closet door was right next to my bedroom door, so I ran my hand up and down the door and could not find the handle. I could feel the door handle to my closet, but not to my door. I held the closet handle with one hand and ran the other hand horizontal, and there was no handle. I started to panic. I could feel the four corners of the door frame, and I knew where everything was at in my room, but no handle. My room was pitch black as if someone had their hands over my eyes. I felt around and made my way back to my bed to regroup, and as I sat there, I knew this couldn't be happening. I knew it hadn't been that long since my parents left, and it was still daylight. It just didn't make sense to me why it was pitch black, and I couldn't find the door handle. Then all of a sudden it was like a veil was lifted, and I could see light coming from under the door. I lunged for the door and could finally feel the door handle. I opened that door so fast that I'm shocked I didn't knock a hole in the wall. When I turned around, I could see the sun coming through the blinds, and my alarm clock was flashing. I ran to the living room, turned on the TV, and waited for my parents to get home. I never told them about what happened. In that same house, we had a chihuahua named Tito. He was my dad's dog. He was a spoiled brat and had so much character. Tito would get the zoomies. We called it the willies then. He would run around the house room to room, letting all the energy out. The house had wood floors, so the sound was distinct, and you could hear him going crazy throughout the house. Tito died suddenly. I can't remember what happened, but I know that my dad was heartbroken as he was the baby of the family. After he passed, I heard him running to the house one night. That morning, I asked my mom if she had heard it too, and she said, yes, it was Tito. He wasn't ready to leave. It lasted maybe a month off and on, and we would hear the running at night. After some time, my dad told Tito that he would always love him, but that it was time for him to rest, and he would see him on the other side. We never heard the running after that. Tito was attached to my dad, and I don't think that he was ready to leave until my dad said goodbye. Thank you for creating this podcast and taking the time to read my story. Our next story of the night comes to us from Mouse, and Mouse's story is called A Response to Episode 91. Mouse says, Hello. In regards to Sue in Episode 91, I have a ghost girl that loves playing with my dog. Nothing evil, she is around five. At times you will find one of my dogs having an intense stare-down with the corner of the end of our hallway. Then in the blink of an eye, she jumps 
turns in the air and runs down the hallway like she is running after someone, and will then dash back and forth in the living room as if she is playing with someone that we can't see. At night, both my dogs will sometimes whine or playfully bark at the door at that same hallway corner. One night I was recording it, and when showing my mom the next day, we heard a little girl's voice on the other side of the door say, Come play with me, just before the dog started whining and pawing at the door. We know who she is, but it was the first time we had confirmation that she played with the pets. It was weird that she didn't just come in my room to play with them, but I guess she wanted to have them run up and down the hall at midnight. So yes, ghosts definitely do mess with animals, in good and bad ways. As tonight's edition of Paranormal Mysteries comes to a close, I appreciate all of you for tuning in, and a special thank you goes out to James, Quint, Amy, Aiden, Nikki, and Mouse for sharing their experiences. And if you've encountered something that you can't explain, you can contact me through email, voice message, or on our website, and these links can be found in the show notes. Until next time, I hope you all have a safe and healthy rest of the week, and we'll see you back here on Friday as we uncover even more experiences involving paranormal mysteries. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.